Kevin McGill here. I hope you're enjoying the Nicholas & Company Audiobook Adventures series. If you would like to get a free ebook version of Nicholas & Company, The Merman and the Moon Forgotten, go to nicholasandco.com, N-I-K-O-L-A-S-A-N-D-C-O.com. Also, if you would like to buy the audiobook version of the Nicholas & Company Audio Adventure series, go to wherever audiobooks are sold. This is the Nicholas & Company Audio Adventures. A Question for the Road Yuri looked slowly to Lear and Nia while rolling up the scroll. This is a tragedy, my lady. I will secure this to my very heart. No humbling or creature has ever known our secret until now, Nia said. You understand why the Pearl of Devotion was so necessary. The guard took the scroll from Yuri and returned it to Lear. Another attendant held out a large fish scale with a puddle of steaming red wax. Lear rolled up the scroll, then lifted the scale and poured the wax over the edge of the paper. He raised a signet ring and, with a commanding tone, said, Be ye the hand of the steward Nicholas Lyons, or ye the hand that turns black and dead. A hundred strands of black swarmed between the signet ring and the scroll, and he pushed his knuckle over the flap. The wax sizzled and transformed into glass, sealing the scroll. Remember, Lear said, only Nicholas Lyons may read this. Of course, Duke, Yuri said as he took the scroll from the attendant. The senior stagecoach driver felt a new emotion creep up his spine. He hoped it wasn't courage. Yes, he wanted a hero's physique to catch the eye of Agatha. But he didn't want to give over to heroism. His mum had always said, Do not try to be a hero, Yuri. You'll just get someone killed, probably yourself. Please, Yuri, Lear said. Follow the attendant downstairs. Nia gently pressed her hand on Lear's arm. My body has betrayed my will. I must rest now. He nodded to an attendant, who quickly brought a veil to the tired duchess. Yuri could hear the ocean water break between the floating fortress and cliffside. The only thing that kept him from plummeting down to his death was a thin plankway leading to the cliff on which he currently stood. Yuri took the last step and exhaled. Lear and Captain John followed slowly with the help of their automaton legs. Having crossed, all three were now outside of the fortress and walking down crude steps hewn into the cliffside. After a few minutes of descent, they entered a cave. The only sign of life was a lamp dangling at the stern of a small boat at the edge of a pool. In the boat you will find enough provisions to last you two weeks, Lear said. This pool leads to a moorway, much like the one you've seen in the fortress, except this particular one is not completely submerged, allowing for humbling travel. Yuri looked again. Sure enough, at the far end of the pool was a watery tunnel. The water is enchanted, carrying you inland and along the Murway. This Murway cuts through the Dorstein Cave system and will take you 400 miles west to Findrow County. 
There you will find a blacksmith by the name of Mullen. She will know you by the signet. Do not reveal anything to her until you give her the password. Do you understand? Simply say, Squall. Once you've told her the password, Mullen will provide you with a horse and a few weeks' rations. Do not forget. Now, once you row down the Murway, you will not be able to return. We must undock from the port for our own protection. If you have questions, now is the time to speak. It's a bit dark in there, isn't it? Yuri's voice reverberated down the tunnel. Those monsters couldn't make their way down there, right? Lear clutched Yuri's bony shoulder. You are our only means of salvation, Yuri Wilrow. Yuri nodded. Do you have any other questions? Lear said. None that I can think of, Duke. Yuri shook his head. Secretly, he wished he had a myriad of questions. Anything to stall the inevitable. He sighed, reached out to Captain John's muscular forearm, and awkwardly placed his left foot over the boat. He lifted the oar, but didn't drop it into the water. I do have a question, Lear, if you'll forgive me, Yuri said. Anyone might call himself a steward. How can I tell one from another? Every city speaks to her steward. Very good. Yuri did not drop the oar. One more thing. He could simply lie and claim the city speaks to him. That is why the scroll has been enchanted and will recognize a true steward of Huron from a false one. Lear nodded. Right. Very good. Yuri still did not drop the oar. One last thing. It seems I've already forgotten his... Lyons. His name is Nicholas Lyons. Read my mind, sir. Thank you, sir. Yuri slowly dropped the oar and pushed away. As the water squeezed into the frothing merway, he began practicing his introductory greeting to the great steward of Huron. Greetings, O fair steward Nicholas Lyons. Steward Nicholas Lyons. Hello, Nicholas Lyons. The Murrows need you to save them, if you please. Sir, Steward Nicholas Lyons, the Murways are in grave peril. Oh, gracious, excellent Steward Nicholas Lyons, you must save the mermaids. All right, Grand announced, waking them from their sleep. This is a good spot. Nick kicked awake. He didn't know what time it was, but it felt like midnight. He sat up, trying to get his bearings. They were definitely not in Colorado. Where are we? Nick said. Tim slowly stirred from his sleep. Is this... Death Valley! Grand finished his sentence. We're in California. I need to keep us moving, but I feel like I owe you some kind of explanation about the trackers. I've kept you in the dark for too long. They jumped out of the hover truck. Nick stumbled for a moment. The sand shifted under his tennis shoes. He put his hand out and grabbed a bit of the dune to keep himself upright. A gust of wind kicked up, forcing him to cross his arms. He didn't realize deserts could be so cold. Now! Grand prodded the inner lining of the coat. A world of explanations and no time to give them. The trackers are mighty slow by land, but know how to get a... Ah! Thought I had a bit of stardust left. He pulled out a purple satchel and tore it open. Iridescent dust flew everywhere. He stuck his hand into the dust and performed several complicated gestures. 
These be the wretched Skuckus. Three monstrous images appeared. The combination of the dust and headlights produced a ghostly replica of the trackers. This version moved with their necks to the ground and let out an occasional cry. The same dread that washed over Nick in the hospital came over him again. Grand said, Due to these nefarious beasts, our family has been on the run for 14 years. Their grandfather's expression shifted. The fatigue of running for years appeared around his cheeks and brow. With a sigh, he stepped toward the stardust. They drove us from my fair city, Huron. I forsook my stewardship over her to bring us here, thousands of years in the future. Grand wrung his hands. Nevertheless, they followed me. It seems that even time and space cannot bind such darkness. They are an unnatural kind, filled with dead magic in all its trappings. Skuckas cannot die until they've tracked down and brought their prey to their master. Like a dog or a wolf, they can pick up one scent, but what they do with it is quite wicked. A dog can only smell the trail one leaves behind, but a skucker can smell you, your habits, your passions, your very decisions, present and future, and they will use it against you. That is why they were waiting for me at the hospital. You see, it's why I kept to the hover truck all these years, never coming groundside. Made it difficult for them to pick up a fresh scent. Staying away protected you and your parents from them until... Um, until I got sloppy. For the first time in 14 years, I let my passions take hold when my archaeological team discovered Ludwig's message. Foolishly, I came groundside, touched Ludwig's chrono message, and then left it there with the Peruvian. They must have found the artifact and smelled my intentions. Learned of you and your parents, and so the Skakas poisoned them, drawing me to the surface, knowing I would be forced groundside again to fetch your parents. Are they the same monsters that were chasing the Murrows? Nick said. No, Grand said. If you recall, those monsters had thousands of red eyes, and they did something to the Murrows, corrupting them. A skucker cannot do that. Its power is to track. They are two different agents of evil. Two different missions, I'm afraid. Yeah, okay, Nick said. Why are they chasing our family? Someone wanted to remove me from power over Huron to take away my stewardship. I believe the attack of the Murrows is not coincidental. Once they chased our family away, then the city of Huron and her citizens, which include the Murrows, would be left vulnerable. How did your leaving make Huron vulnerable? The voice! Grand shouted. The city, she speaks to the steward. Many scheme to destroy Huron, so they may rob her of her powerful magic. But she knows, Nicholas. She knows when someone intends evil against her gates. She speaks to the steward, warning him of the coming peril. She will guide you, revealing her enemy's foul schemes. This is why the trackers ran us out of Huron, to leave her vulnerable. Her enemies were tired of being thwarted by the voice at every turn. The steward must return so she can tell us how to save the Murrows and defeat the Dujinin. You, Nicholas, are that steward. You must return. If you don't, 
The merfolk and your fair city will be destroyed. I'm sorry, Tim said. Did I miss the announcement for the crazy convention? Is this just, like, some elaborate joke you two are playing on me? This is no joke, Tim, Grant said. This is real. Real? Tim said. Here are the words that have come out of yours and Nicholas's mouth for the last two hours. Mermaids, moon, magic, agents of evil, time travel. Seriously, time travel? I'm waiting for the part where you actually talk about something real. Now, I don't know what animals were in the hospital, but shouldn't we call the police or something instead of acting out your crazy role-playing game in the middle of the desert? They weren't animals. They were scuckers, as I just explained to you, Grant said. And no, we cannot go back right now. We must wait, he sighed slowly. This isn't fair to you, Tim. It's all too quick. Your parents are gravely ill. You just experienced something very traumatic, and you're in a strange place. I need to give you a little more time to digest all of this. Yes, Tim said. Please, allow a few more days so I, too, can lose my marbles. Nick didn't say anything, but he wanted to tell Grant to ignore Tim. He had a gabillion questions to ask him, like why was there a voice in his head telling him that the Rones were evil, and why did he have a vision of some old-timey city? He really didn't want to wait around for Tim to clue in on what was going on, which, knowing Tim, would be... never. But Grand was already marching to the hub truck. Kevin McGill here. I hope you're enjoying the Nicholas & Company Audiobook Adventures series. If you would like to get a free ebook version of Nicholas & Company, The Merman and the Moon Forgotten, Go to nicholasandco.com, N-I-K-O-L-A-S-A-N-D-C-O.com. Also, if you would like to buy the audiobook version of the Nicholas and Company audio adventure series, go to wherever audiobooks are sold.